And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Eady and joining me today, as always, is one of Canada's top mortgage broker, a guy who's been in the business longer than he can remember, and one of the coolest people I know, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today, sir? I'm chuckling that longer than I can remember. I don't, don't think it's quite that far, but, but it's been a while for sure. I'm doing awesome. How about yourself, Jeff? I am fantastic. JT, it's been a bit since uh, it's just you and I on the show. It's kind of nice to have a moment where we can just talk and, and talk about what's coming and what's happening. And I really think uh, with the federal election just taking place, there's a lot we have to talk about in the mortgage world and what's happening in the world of uh, housing and finance and all of the things that investors need to know for the last quarter of 2021 and the upcoming 2022 year. Lord knows we're all hopeful for 2022. <laughs> so, Jonathan, one of the big things I had a conversation with uh, Jen Roberts and a good uh, friend of mine and realtor out here this morning was the capital gains that the liberal government has, uh, the capital gains tax on your primary residence that the uh, liberal government has used as their platform. Now, we don't know when it's being implemented. We don't know any details on it. But you want to talk about some of the implications of being able to tax primary residents' uh, capital gains? It would make a, a big change. I mean, if if they did a full fledged taxing of it, would make a huge change. I think. I think part of what they're talking about is changing it for people who are not in there. I think it becomes, and I, I don't know all the details on it, but my understanding is that once you're in in your house for a certain number of years, then the exemption applies. But it's for people who are frequently oh, okay. buying and selling their houses. Oh, okay. That makes it a little less scary. Yeah. So, so ba basically the people who are flipping and just saying, Hey, you know what? I, I made 200,000 on this house and I bought the new house and I did some work and I made another 200,000 here and they're not paying any taxes on that. I think that's their target. I could be wrong with that, but that's my understanding of it. Well, the breakdown that you and I did a couple of weeks back, um, definitely, as you mentioned it, I, I do remember that it was after a, a certain period of time, but they were really trying to, to cut down on the, the house flipping that, that's been going on. Is that correct? That's my understanding. Yeah. Or if you're, if you're doing house flipping, that's fine, but hey, treat it as income. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which totally makes sense. Uh, there are a lot of people now, would that uh, dampen your strategy of using your, um, your now primary residence as a rental property and buying into the next property with 5% down? They might look at it if you're doing this on a frequent basis, because you'll have to declare it as what they term a deemed disposition, meaning you're not actually selling it. But for tax purposes, you have to declare that you have moved out and, and basically changed the use of the property. Okay. Uh, so if you're doing that on a frequent basis, if, if you do it once and you've been in your, if you buy the house, uh, you've been there for a certain number of years, and then you you convert it over to a rental property. You've got the deemed disposition, uh, and so you're flipping it at that point. Uh, if you've been in there enough years, based again based on the guidelines, based on the policies, then it probably shouldn't affect things. If you're doing this again every every two years, you're doing this, which it's not real, real realistic for that strategy anyway. It's usually mm -hmm. for your first, maybe second uh, rental property, it might work. Uh, but in that case, it it probably shouldn't. If you've been in, in that property that, that's now a rental for a, a certain, for whatever their time period is. Okay. So it's really just a niche that's going to be affected by it. It's the flippers. It's the, uh, um, 
buy it, renovate it, sell it kind of guy, kind of guys that are out there uh, making a profit off of buying their primary residences. Those are the ones they're after. Yes. Okay. Well, my understanding, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, Lord knows anything can change because campaign promises are not as good as the paper they're written on, however, yeah. <laughs> or the, the, the website, whatever. Um, now let's talk about what's going on in the market, Jonathan. There has been a whole bunch happened in the last little bit, and I don't even know where to start. I think... Well, let's start with where you and I were just talking about. Uh, Bank of Canada has uh, started to wind down on the buying of bonds. And they're looking at uh, a, a, slow, a slower step back. It doesn't sound like they're going to do it ex- you know, all at the same time. But they were buying up to $5 billion a week. And uh, they're talking about going down to like $2 billion a, uh, a month, which trying to, to, to relate this to how it, it makes sense to you and I, what I understand is that's going to make the interest rates go up over the next little bit. Does that make, is, is that correct? Yeah. Well, let's, let's go back to say, why do they buy bonds? They're buying bonds, essentially putting money into the bond market to put more on the supply side for the mortgage market, which would, as you say, which would, would bring with more on the supply side would bring rates lower. So that's part of the reason why they do that. Now them slowing, slowing that process uh, long-term would again, slow the supply, which long-term should start to increase rates. Now saying that I know that uh, with, I've just, I I always sort of get the notice as I've, I've got notices from lenders, which I get on a daily basis about their rates. And I get a notice from a few of them that, that rates in the short term are dropping. Well, these are the fixed rates. And, and that, that's, that's the interest. I, you know what? I just read an article about that yesterday. The fixed rates right now are dropping. Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, RBC just dropped their five-year fixed rate. Yes. Uh, down to less than 2%. Why are they doing that right now? Uh, part, of it, the, the, part of it is, I'll just say, we're moving into the fall market. And oftentimes at the start of the fall, fall fall market as lenders are competing for a larger portion of the market share as we move into, this is, I'll say, typically, historically, the second busiest time of the year after the spring market. And so part of it is they start getting a little bit aggressive to try and get a, a, a bit of a bigger portion of the market share this time of year. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but part of it is, is if they're universally doing it, there is a little bit pushing pushing rates down. I mean, it's not huge. We're not seeing massive drops but there are small drops happening right now so let's let's look at um investors because that that's who we really want to talk to here what does this mean for investors not just in real estate but in the markets in general if they're if the bank of canada is starting to pull back on their bond buying so they're creating um less supply of money in the, the the mortgage market does that mean investors are going to start to actually make some money in the bond market? Longer term, it will probably push up, push up bond, those, those with their fi- fixed income investments. Uh, but that's longer term. I mean, if we're seeing a little bit of downward pressure right now, who knows how long till that starts taking effect. Mm-hmm. So one of the, you know, not... <laughs> It's all kind of interrelated. That's why I want to talk about it. And it's all happening right now. One of the major things that's happening right now is lumber. Lumber has plummeted in price. 
And it's really interesting to see the repercussions of it because uh, I know you and I were looking at developments last year and had we gotten into it as investors, we would have probably been left holding the bag because we would have been selling properties at the pre-ridiculously expensive lumber price. <laughs> yes. And now almost the exact opposite is happening uh, in the supply chain. There are places that are basically having door crasher sales on lumber. Um, and the stats that uh, I was reading, uh, something that was selling for, I don't know, three ninety five for an eight foot two by four uh, was up to almost $13 at the height of the pandemic uh, supply chain crisis. And now they're falling back down below that, you know, three ninety five mark. So we've got all sorts of uh, building supplies out there. Is that going to affect home prices, like new home prices, drive them down eventually? Eventually, yeah. If, if the cost of building is dropping, then it means they can, builders especially want to sell stuff faster, can be a little more aggressive on what they're selling it for. And so that they can lower their, their price of what they're selling it for because their costs are down. So it's kind of nice to see some good news. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, one of the cautionary things that I would say is watch out for new builds, making sure that they're not selling you on the uh, higher prices. Exactly. Because uh, what I did see is that a lot of new home buyers are still paying the pandemic premium, if you will, uh, for the cost of materials. But if they're coming down, then, then those new builds should be coming down with them. And also with new builds, it's important. This is what I always say with new builds. It's important to do your research on what sort of what comparable is in the market today that you could buy today. Mm -hmm. And I know uh, one of the trends that's been going on for quite a while is that there's, they're selling the new builds at like this 20, 30, 40% premiums over what's in the market today. So that, in my opinion, doesn't make a lot of sense. They're saying, well, in four years when this is, when this is completed, this is what the price should be. Well, if that's what the price should be, then that price of the property right beside it should be that same price. So buy that property there today <laughs> and, and, and enjoy the appreciation as opposed to paying for the appreciation. <laughs> so with all of this happening, do you think we're going to start to see that surge back to um, more uh, urban living? I, well, it, it depends on how things, I mean, Obviously, today is the day, ominously, where Ontario's launched the the COVID passport, mm. or is have, have I called that correct? Yeah, it is. Uh, and so, with that, with that, that's sort of the sign of, hey, listen, we're getting more restaurants, more sort of entertainment places are starting to open their doors more, and so with that, there becomes more of the appeal to be back in the city. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which is that's one of the big reasons why people want to live in the city because there's more nightlife, there's more things to do, there's more place to go out, and so if that's starting, if things are are starting to reopen, then it definitely brings more appeal back to the city. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm just looking at an article right now that says um, places like Bancroft and North Bay saw 64 percent and 48 uh, percent appreciations year over year, respectively. Yep. And with everything, uh, the, the signs are all pointing to people wanting to move back to the city and the condo market starting to pick back up. Uh, I know the condo rental market is starting to pick back up, which is something we've seen 
uh, dramatically reduced over the last uh, last year. I remember seeing uh, a, a few purpose-built rental buildings in Toronto that were offering like three months of free rent. And it's like 40, 50% well below what it was during the pandemic. But I mean, timing is everything. These buildings were just built. But even the uh, individual owners who were trying to rent out their condos kept slashing prices, slashing prices. Are we back to the stage? Do you believe that we're going to be back in like even rental bidding wars? I I, I don't want to comment on that. And I just saying that. Oh, come I, on, I, Jonathan. I don't, I don't I don't know well enough what's happening on the rental and, and what level of occupancy they're at. Uh, but definitely as things start returning and there becomes more demand back for condos, then, then probably yes. Well, I just kind of everything that I'm seeing here kind of sounds like we're coming out of this whole thing. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, with, with more stuff opening up, uh, then definitely. Um, now it's interesting because you read one article, they say that, that home sales are down in an area, but home sales in general are up. Um, one of the big things I saw was with our borders opening back up that Americans are starting to come back up here and they believe there could be even tighter supply because, well, A, the Liberal government has a mandate of, what, 1.2 million immigrants over the next two and a half years, which 100% agree with. Uh, we need it because our aging population can't support itself, and we need skilled, uh, we need skilled immigration. But there were a ton of properties, especially in the area that I'm at. I'm out in the Niagara region, and uh, there was a ton of vacation and rental properties that people had up for sale last year. Most of them have been snatched up by locals. And now I think we're going to see a tightening from that American influx anywhere real close to the border, especially where Americans have family up here. Um, all that cross border stuff that was happening is able to start happening again, at least for the U S we can't go down there still, which is dumb. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is. They can come here and get COVID. We can't go there and get it. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I mean, they, they, they can come here and spread their COVID. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I was going to say, maybe it's an oversimplification of it. But um, one of the other things that's happening in the market that I find absolutely fascinating is disruptor banks. You and I have been talking about this a bit lately. You want to touch on what's going on with some of these guys? Well, it's just, it's as especially with technology and there's players coming in who, because of technology and people's ability to really not have to walk into a branch mm -hmm. to take care of their banking needs. They can do everything online. They can make the deposits. I mean, their direct deposit comes in from their pay. Uh, then they can do all their banking online. So essentially it's, it's especially these players that have better technology platforms mm -hmm. that, uh, that people say, Hey, you know what? I can do my banking here. It's much easier for me. Yep. And I can I... actually do more here. I will name one. Neo is a, a bank that I'm very interested in. We're not sponsored by them in any way. Uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. Um, but no, I'm very interested in what Neo is doing because they are kind of following that PC financial uh, model or Orange, which used to be, what was that? ING. ING, ING Direct. Yes. Uh, not Orange, sorry, Tangerine. That's what Tangerine, yes, yes, yes. But I, I got the reference, what you were saying. I know my fruit. Uh, <laughs> 
but uh, I think it's 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 fascinating because I do believe that Canadians are are waking up to the ridiculous fees that they pay for a lot of things. Uh, one of the things that that I see Neo is offering is a zero percent interest credit or a zero percent credit card. That's insane. I don't know how they can offer that. That that blows me away. But looking at companies like this, as they start to get into the mortgage space, we just saw that uh, Bloom is a new reverse mortgage uh, provider here in Canada. What's this going to mean for people trying to get mortgages either for their primary residence or for rental properties? Uh, well, there, there have been, I'll say, alternative lending other than the banks for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there, I mean... For many years, every couple of years, there's a new lender that pops up. Uh, I mean, through the broker channel there, we've got, if you just look at the A side, we've always got the banks, but there are a lot of non-bank lenders who play in this space and they play in it very well. They're, I mean, we call them online lenders. They, they, focus, they focus on the mortgage market and people say, well, it's going to be more expensive. No, they're actually able to be more aggressive and sometimes lower priced than the bank with certain products, not with everything, but with <laughs> certain products, they've got their specialty, they do. Mm-hmm. And so, so it just gives Canadians better choice for their mortgages. And that's where going to somebody who is an expert who understands the diversity of what's out there, such as a mortgage broker, such as myself. <laughs> shameless, plug. shameless plug. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, that, that's where that's where having that's where that's where my knowledge and I'll say the good mortgage brokers who really understand the different products out there really comes in to say, hey, listen, based on your circumstance, here is what I'd recommend. Uh, because because of these reasons. So just backing up for a second, you think these these new disruptor banks can come in and compete with A-lenders? Definitely. Well, depends on the space they're coming in. Some come in specifically in the A space, some come in the B space, some come in in the alternative spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from the ones you referenced, well, the, the reverse mortgage is, is sort of your... Not, not quite a, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the the other one that that is from from my understanding they're coming in the A space, mm-hmm. and so if they're coming in the A space, they're coming in to compete uh, compete in the A space, meaning they're going to be aggressive and and be within the market. Wow, all oh, this is fascinating. It, it, I'd like to say that it all ties together, but I really don't see a clear outcome from all of this i do believe rates are going to go up eventually but at the same time we have all this competition happening um both for the housing supply and for um the 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 borrowers needing to borrow so i i I guess it all comes down to consumer confidence does it not uh well when it comes to uh, when it comes to the mortgage space uh, mortgage pricing, especially on fixed rates. What happens in Canada plays in, but really it's what's happening globally, just because it, they are affected by the bond rates. Mm-hmm. And I mean, things happening south of the border, things happening in Europe, as we've been seeing for years, those things affect the bond markets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, it's really globally what's happening that, uh, that, plays that can play an effect on what type of rates there are out there, especially in the fixed market. Okay. So good or bad time to buy rubber meets the road. It's uh, I mean, the, the old adage, uh, the best time to buy real estate was 10 years ago. The the next best time is today. Uh, 
with what's happening, you really want to do your homework. Uh, you want to understand where the opportunities are. There's always opportunities in the market. It's understanding where they are. The areas that have just seen, call it a, what, 60, 70% appreciation year over year, mm -hmm. especially with there may be an influx back to the city. I wouldn't be jumping at those areas right now, unless you're saying, hey, that's where you want to live and everything else. And you see the real long-term value for yourself there. The opportunities right now is probably back to what you said at the beginning, which is, hey, if people are coming back to the city, especially if you can find an underpriced area, particularly mm -hmm. in the condo market, that, that's where there's probably opportunity. So there, there's always opportunities out there, but it's taking the time doing your research and finding out really what makes the most sense based on what's happening in the market. Yep. Or tying into the investment property income podcast and system. Exactly. Because we do have our, uh, our our finger on the pulse pretty pretty closely here. Uh, but I, I, I think you're right, JT. I, I think uh, it's like, you know, the pandemic was like a, a fat kid getting in a, bat, a bathtub. That splash has got to come back uh, um, sooner or later. And I think we're we're at the point where we're starting to see it. Of course, I, I do believe there's a spattering of people that are going to be left out in the uh, the 905 regions and the 289 regions. Like myself, I don't see me moving back. I'm at the age where I don't need to. But uh, I think we also saw a lot of people move back with their parents and and things like that. And I think that's that's probably going to start driving the market in those more urban areas as people want to get back to the city and do that nightlife thing, like you said. Well, not to mention as as uh, people return back to the office, that will drive a lot. Because, I mean, especially like as you say, that, that younger, younger demographic who I'm going to move back home because I don't have to go to the office right now. And, you know, as you mentioned that the whole, you know, there's the whole uh, um, foreign students coming in. Because a lot of foreign, uh, a lot of foreign nationals will buy places for their students living in the cities, which they haven't been doing for the last couple of years. So, I think, yeah, I think the opportunity lies in the city right now, JT. I would agree with you, especially as I mean, all the facts you just spoke about. The main thing being that a lot of people left the city, so now is the time to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I like I don't I don't I don't see prices falling ridiculously out in the 905 and 289, but they, you know, 10, 20 percent is possible. But like you said, if you're looking at long term, who cares? Yep, doesn't matter. You could buy now, lose your 20 percent over the next little bit. As long as you're smart about it and you're not over leveraged, you're fine in 10 years. Yep. Yeah, and, and just just you want to plug the, the 705 to people going to Perry. Fine. Let's talk about the five one nine two. We're all inclusive. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, Anyhow, JT, let's wrap it up. Anything you want to say to uh, to close this out today? Always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very Liar. much, everyone, for tuning in. <laughs> oh, we 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 have fun. We give each other a hard time, but we have fun. That's what it's all about. Uh, thanks so much, brother. I love you. Appreciate your time. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Jonathan, you can certainly shoot him an email at Jonathan at a mortgage plan.com. Figure out the long-term strategy. What makes sense for you? He is amazing at that. Or if you got some stuff that's just not quite working in your portfolio, he's also great uh, working on a client right now, if I'm not mistaken, that has a bunch of rental properties, needs to kind of rejig everything to make it work even better. He is 
an absolute fantastic ally to have in that uh, in that area. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining. As always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. We hope you're building with a lot of value in it. And we have a special announcement coming up. Save the date, November 20th. It's a Saturday. It's just about uh, just under two months from today. Very special event coming up. It's kind of hush hush, but save that event. Uh, Save that date, November 20th. Can't wait to announce it in the next week or so. Jonathan, you're awesome. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you soon.